Hey everybody and welcome to a special bonus episode of My Sentiments Exactly. My name is Kay and I'm your host. If you're not aware, September is NICU Awareness Month, which is very dear to my heart as my daughter was born prematurely and journeyed through the NICU. I'm so excited to have a special guest, Brianna Durham, NICU mom and my big sister, on the show today to join in the discussion and to help bring awareness. MSE Podcast is dedicated to talking about the hard stuff and facilitating the conversations necessary for growth, healing, transformation, and genuine community. Now it's your turn. My hope is that you finish this episode feeling empowered to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE Podcast Conversation Starters Deck available at bygracenp.com. May these cards inspire you to speak out and be heard, and may you be authentically embraced for the uniqueness of your journey. Brianna, when you think of NICU Awareness Month, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is parents and family members basically that have loved ones in the NICU okay so what would you say was the most memorable part of your son's NICU journey um the most memorable part is having to be in there for five weeks um waiting for him to come out meeting the different nurses daily um and just being there by his side, waiting patiently, not knowing when exactly he would be able to come out. Yeah. What would you say um, was the hardest part for you? Um, the hardest part was his apnea spells. Okay. okay. So for those that don't know, like, what was that like? So first, the apnea spell, well, for one thing, me and Terry learned that there are two different types of spells. There's an apnea spell and a Brady. Um, okay. So we learned that the apnea spell is when your heart rate drops and basically like when your child forgets to breathe. Mm-hmm. So um, three would have apnea spells, which is what delayed him from coming out of the hospital. Got you. So when he was born, he didn't have any complications. Mm-hmm. Um it was just mainly trying to get his breathing on track. Um, he gotcha. stayed off of the CPAP. He stayed on the CPAP for about three days. Okay. And so then after then, it was just making sure that, you know, his sugar levels were good. Um, the The hardest part was him having the apnea spells on the sixth day <laughs> that he he's supposed to go a whole week without having an apnea spell and on the sixth day he would have a spell and every time you have a spell it's pushed back a whole nother week yep for you to go home right Mm -hmm. got you got you um what would you say are some of the most common um NICU related misconceptions or stereotypes that you came across well being that this is my first child. I was mm-hmm. not really aware of 
what stereotypes would be as far as with the NICU. But I guess Mm -hmm. now I would say thinking that every child that goes to the NICU, that something is wrong with them. Because being in um, the NICU, there were babies that were, there was nothing wrong or it was a minor situation. For example, on the last day that we were getting ready to be discharged, there was a baby that was um, full term and okay. that was in the NICU. And it caught me off guard because I'm like, oh, I thought all babies in the NICU were gotcha. sure. Mm-hmm. So um, basically thinking that every baby in the NICU is premature or um, just different situations, learning that there are babies with jaundice, there's babies mm-hmm. that were born um, with heart issues, um, just simple um, problems like not being able to finish a bottle. Yeah. Yep. So that was like kind of interesting to know. It's not just your baby was born premature. Mm-hmm. Got you. Would you say that you had access to a lot of resources? Like, Do you feel like you were well-informed after you started the process? Mm, I would say at first, yes. But mm, going week by week, I would say it started declining. Um, okay. I got frustrated, which the NICU is one of the main reasons why I stopped breastfeeding. Because okay. breastfeeding is harder than you would think and so the most frustrating part was trying to keep on schedule they tell you oh we want you to Mm -hmm. pump every two hours okay oh yeah okay yeah I'll pump at the hospital but then I have other stuff I got to do at the house and then away from the baby it's like okay what they say it's better for you to produce your milk when your baby is with you so I can't spend all day long at the hospital and not have stuff done at the house and then just trying to make sure I get other stuff done as far as making sure the baby is prepared because when your baby comes early you don't I wasn't I wasn't expecting to have my baby room done until August the beginning of August so Mm -hmm. if my baby came two months early how am I supposed to have that done yeah yeah that's so true did you feel like you had um well I know you said they were the reason why you stopped breastfeeding um as far as other like sources no mm, I would say not really um I feel like there was bad communication with the NICU got you um, okay. there was a lot of things that the nurses and the doctors were not talking to each other about mm, okay so when at the I think two days before his discharge the doctor had told us about our son having a heart murmur and they were telling the nurses oh yeah they should have known about this ever since he first got in the NICU really and we're like okay we were not informed yeah and that's important right so we're sitting there and they're like, well, yeah, the nurses told the doctor that the parents were already informed. Now, this is two days before he's supposed to be discharged. Wow. He's okay. been here for five weeks. So wow. there was a lot of miscommunication as far as what's supposed to be done and what they thought we were supposed to already know. 
I don't know yeah, why yeah. they thought, you know, different things when, especially this is our first child, this exactly. is our first experience in the NICU. Yeah, true. Um, did you experience a lot of support? Um, I know they were the reason that you had stopped breastfeeding, but did you receive a lot of um, just support, period? Um, did you, like, feel, like, comfortable like while you're at the NICU, like did they make you feel like a part of the experience? Um, including, you know, Terry as well. Did you like feel like you were supported and that you were a part, or did you always feel like distant, like a visitor? Um, there were times where I started feeling like um I was a visitor. Yeah. As far as with Terry, Terry was very supportive. Um, and mm-hmm. he was very I think Terry's one that was, hmm, let's see how we can see it. The nurses were shocked to have him involved, see how involved Got he you. was. Yeah. So um, there were certain nurses that were very informative, and you can tell the ones that were just there because they just needed a job. And I'm Got like, you. I don't know why mm-hmm. you have a job working with babies if yep. you're not compassionate, sensitive, yeah. and all that other stuff. But I I would say it started out very well, but towards the end, moving out of the actual intensive care part to the little step-down part. Got you. Mm-hmm. Um, where he didn't need intensive care, watching, and all that other stuff. I would say that it started getting more frustrating as far as the support because his nurses were not the same so he would have a nurse a different nurse every day so the nurse that he might have had the night before would not be the same nurse that he would have the the next day and so they don't really know okay well this is Mm -hmm. what he likes this is what he does all that type of stuff and so I would say that the support started declining got you and then it's like oh well I, at first, well, towards the end, I started thinking like, okay, well, they just want to keep my child. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're you not, the they don't thing. really care. Like, mm-hmm. you're not understanding what it does as a mom to Most have definitely. to leave your child every day. Most definitely. And you're, you're at home sleeping. And then yep. it's like, okay, well, what's going on? So I would say that the support level um, as a whole it it could have been better for me. I found more support with the volunteers. Okay. Got you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, we went through the, the same thing as far as once it got more calm, you don't need as much um, care. It seemed as if everything just kind of got lazy. Like, right. it's just like, well, when are we going? <laughs> exactly. You know, well, when are we going home? You know, and it's um, not being certain of a particular due date. And then, like you said, like some nurses, it seemed as if they really cared. Other nurses, they're just there to to get a check in the app. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which, which is difficult to watch as, as a mother. Now, did you, um, again, I know they were the reason you stopped breastfeeding. Um, did you not have like, was it just the schedule or you didn't have like lactation support? Was it too much? Cause I know like my experience, it was, it was overbearing. Like I'm like exclusively breastfeeding, but 
it, while I was in the NICU, it was stressful because they were like making me just feel like I was a machine versus like I'm feeding my child. And it exactly. was like every time I turn around, they're sending lactation consultants. Like I didn't, I didn't request, <laughs> I didn't request them. Like, and it's, it wasn't, um, it wasn't the most like encouraging journey as far as breastfeeding is concerned. Like, did you have overbearing lactation, no lactation consultants? Like, I didn't have any. Um, okay, I wow. started out, let's see, I started out at the very beginning. I had one and, you know, they were very nice as far as getting me started, letting me know what I could do. And it's like, oh, any amount um, basically is is just a token to your baby. So even if yeah. you just have a drop, you know, just send it to down to the NICU and I'm like okay cool like I'm getting more than a drop you know so yeah I'm, I'm excited and I'm just like okay I feel like I'm just you know doing great but it started getting overbearing because once they started increasing his fees mm-hmm. I, I started feeling like I was a machine and yep. it's like okay well you think I'm just sitting at home yeah not doing anything <laughs> when you don't understand okay I still have bills to pay yeah and then I'm trying to figure out how long I need to be on maternity leave or when I need to start my maternity leave yeah because it's like okay you only give me six weeks or six to eight weeks and I'm trying to figure out should I do that now while he's in the hospital and take it you yeah, know I like choose. when he comes out so it was frustrating for me and overbearing because once his fees started increasing, if I could only produce like um, half of a a bottle, mm-hmm. which is technically one ounce, if I could only produce that, and it's like okay, you don't increase his feedings up to sixty cc's, and mm-hmm. he's getting fed every three hours. It's like, okay, well, when I come in, did you bring me more milk? Yep, yep. They don't even say hello. It's, it's you got milk? Right. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this is like, well, we're going to have to add formula to it. Like, ma- basically, you're making me feel like I'm not enough. Exactly, exactly. I can't, I can't fully nurse my child or give him all the nutrients from just me. Well, we're just going to add formula to it because you don't have enough milk. Yeah. Or, and, or we're just going to automatically use donor milk. Oh, it, see, I never got the option with donor milk. It was really formula. It was strictly formula. They did not offer donor milk? No. What? That's crazy. Nope. It was, That's crazy. Like, we're going to go ahead and give him Similac. Wow. I never, I never had, um, I never had to use donor milk, but I did have one of the, one of the nurse practitioners she called me one one morning, which was very frustrating because there was a lack of communication between those that work in what they call the milk room mm-hmm. um, and the nurses. And it got to the point where they were like, you know, don't bring any more milk. Like, just ask because, like, we don't have enough room. So I was like, okay. Um, and they were like, you know, we'll let you know if we need more. So she calls me. And it's like, um, I just wanted to give you a call before I put in the order for donor milk um, because um, we're about to run out. Um, You could have told me. Exactly. Like, you need to tell me that ahead of time. So we worked through that. I asked her to check specifically um, how much is in the milk room. Like, I need to know MLs, the exact amount. She went to check and said that 
that there was enough until the next day at the same time. Wow. So if I would have just freaked out, she would have put in an order for donut milk. Like they just weren't, um, it's as if they were waiting for me to give up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's miscommunication right there. Yeah. And so I started bringing it in, you know, Andre, Andre told me just bring it in like you were doing before. They just gonna have to make room. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I was I was not offered that at all. It was just basically strictly um formula. So which somebody had recommended, you know, they were asking or they said if push comes to shove, then you should try the um donor milk. You know, like if you just are if you completely can't do it, just try to get breast milk, period. Yeah, I thought they were supposed to offer that because we had to you have to (laughs) sign a thing in advance. Like saying that if if you need to, like you would like to have access to donor milk. I'm very surprised that they didn't offer that. Oh no! But but yeah, they're definitely like formula driven. I would say, um, like as far as fortifying, is that what they were telling you to do? Like they were going to add more to like fortify the milk. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't even like give us an option. They automatically fortified. Like when they were increasing the amount of calories, mm-hmm. um, they would automatically fortify. It wasn't until we were discharged that I realized they were putting formula in the milk. Like oh, it, was, yeah. it wasn't communicated. Like, what does that mean that you're increasing calories and stuff? Like, it wasn't until afterwards and we had, you know, doctor's appointments that I realized because they were like, you need to make sure you go pick this up after she's discharged. And wow. it's just like, y'all been using formula. Exactly. Like, you know, which which at the end of the day, like formula isn't horrible. Like some I mean, if you have to use it, like that's that's totally okay, but that was just a personal preference of mine. Um and you know, some of the formula is harsh on the baby's bodies, mm-hmm. hard make them gassy. Yes, and like projectile vomiting, like mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, and um she was having like a hard time um with it after being discharged like that the type of formula that they were using to fortify. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just took her straight back to just regular breast milk just to, to see how her body would react kind of against doctor's orders. Because my thing is if she's, you know, I don't want her having negative effects just because, you know, y'all just want babies to gain weight. Exactly. You know, and, it, and it wasn't like she was at an unhealthy weight either. Um, and you know what? She actually gained more weight just on my breast milk than she did with the fortified breast milk. I believe that. Yeah. And so like, you know, from then I I was just kind of very, um, because the NICU can kind of get you systematic and you feel like everything they say is like in the book, like you have to go exactly by it. But I also learned to trust my instincts as her mother. Yeah, that's how it was on this end too. As far as one of the nurses, once she she was like, you know, she was not gonna, she wasn't one of the nurses that would strictly go by the book per se, 
because okay. once she found out like okay he's hungry she realized okay he's hungry before time she said and I'll feed mm-hmm. him a little bit early I do not have to go specifically at this time to feed yep. him so it, that was encouraging to us because it's like it's frustrating when you're sitting there and then they have so many rules as mm-hmm. far as like breastfeeding and bottle so oh mm-hmm. he has to get the bottle this time or he has to yep. do this um, through the tube this time and I'm like okay and then it's like okay well you can't breastfeed him at this time um, if yep. he's getting in the bottle and I'm like okay so how is this supposed to be like when we get home like it's not helping yep. me and then it's like yep. you just give me this option This you can't take him out right now you can't hold him right now you can't do this and I'm like okay so how are we supposed to be getting the skin to skin But you won't. And they never, when he was first born, when I went down there to the NICU, they encouraged it. Probably like the first two or three days. After then, it was like, no, there was no, um, let's get skin to skin, none of that. So I'm just, right. So I'm just sitting there like lost. And whenever he, um, he was supposed to be discharged, they were looking at discharging him on a Monday. And that Sunday evening, the doctor, the um, doctor called me and said, oh, your son had a spell. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, OK. Um, so can you tell me about what happened? What time was this? And so the doctor was saying something different than the nurse. So I'm like, oh, okay. OK, so I feel like y'all are just doing this just to prolong stuff. Yeah. Because you told me that my son is supposed to get his hepatitis shot. He's supposed to have the car seat test. He's supposed mm-hmm. to have all of this stuff done before he's before he goes home. But whenever he called me that Sunday evening, oh yeah, I love to send babies home. I was going <laughs> to send him home tomorrow. But I've been asking you every day. Yeah. When do you think my son will be going home? When do you think this will be happening? And you never say, oh, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. But you tell me Sunday evening that you were going to discharge him tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't even had the car seat test. Got, so how yeah. were so how, how are you, you going to Right. So that's why I'm like, okay, he hadn't even had his hearing screen yet. Really? So no, so I'm like, so that's why I felt like wow. the doctors were not telling the truth. So I was like, okay, well, maybe they're just trying to they're trying to keep him there or I and I told Terry, I was like, well, maybe the doctor is lying because how are you going to send him home when all of that stuff wasn't done? Yeah, so now you you're playing right now you're playing with my emotions. Yeah. So it's like you, you're, you don't understand the roller coaster of emotions that the parent mm-hmm. has to go through. So he was supposed to, now he's supposed to, you know, pe- be pushed back for another week. So that would be the next Sunday. Gotcha. Well, that Thursday, me and Terry were actually there when his spell happened. And it was, and it was, you know, it was frustrating and I cried and it's like the doctors, they're, oh, it's okay. The first thing Mm -hmm. she said, oh, he's okay. He's just going to be here with us for another week. And I'm like, I looked at Terry and I just walked out and I cried and I didn't go back until the next day. And so it's just like nurses and doctors Mm -hmm. don't have that sensitivity like you think we're okay with the fact that they're staying in here you think we're okay like this is supposed to benefit us because y'all are you know we don't have to because I've heard comments oh well y'all should be okay because y'all don't have to use um let them use their diapers let them use their formula and I'm like okay well I want to be able to hear my child's cry at night I don't know what's going on in the NICU 
I don't know what's going on. And it was interesting hearing your other podcast because our son had a bump on his head. We asked, we asked the doctor, Terry asked him first, what is this on, what is this on the side of his head? And they were like, they told him something else. Well, when I asked, they said they didn't know. The doctor okay. came to me and said, I'm not even going to lie to you, Miss Durham. We don't know what's on his head. We don't know where it came from. Hmm. Then they try to say, well, did they do something during delivery? No. Oh, well, maybe it's a birthmark. Okay. Well, we were thinking, okay, well, maybe it could be one because Terry has a birthmark in his head. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, maybe. But no, it's it scabbed up and it went, it started going down. So now it makes me think like, okay, well, what? What was it? You know, like, are y'all mistreating my child? And then when I ask you questions, you, you know, you get offended. No, like, I really want to know. Because I don't know what's going on. I can't sleep at night knowing that I left my child with strangers. Yeah. Did you have, um, did they have it to where you could call and talk to the nurses at any time? Yes, but see, a lot of the times, and by sitting in there with um, the baby, mm-hmm. you could hear how the nurses were. Um, oh, yeah talking about different parents and stuff and it was like I never called there was one time I called but a lot of times I wouldn't um call because I didn't want them to think that I was out of town because you know I like to pop in I was that pop in oh we would but we would call and pop in because like I'll make it seem like I'm far away and then I walk in the door oh okay hey we here (laughs) gotcha or we found out like they would act differently if Andre was with me. So like if I call and be like, you know, I'm on the way, you know, I'll be there for the next care time. Um, you know, and I come in, you know, Andre might come in about 30 minutes later, you know, mm. and their whole attitude would change. Like mm-hmm. because they would try to stress me out. Like ask me, ask me questions and try to make me make decisions. Like if he wasn't there and if he was there, they would be clear with it, not you know. Gotcha. So, yep. Like we would call, pop in. Like you never know, like when we gonna be here. Did they have um? Did they have uh like? Not rewards, but like I know they had like a a um a meal card thing. Mm-mm. Since I was a a a breastfeeding mom, they. I would get a free meal from the cafeteria. Mm-mm. They didn't have that? Mm-mm. Did they have like any, I don't want to say perks because that's not a good word, but did they have anything to like make the load lighter while you at the hospital? Like, no. Whereas it's like parking or anything? Well, they did give, um, they gave us and like the grandparents, great grandparents, they would give everybody like the wristbands um but i mean it wasn't because we did anything it was just they were just saying the parents the grandparents the great-grandparents um could basically have a wristband that every time they came it would have free parking um because we had to pay for parking oh see now i wouldn't have been able to do that yeah we didn't have that's why i'm popping up whenever because we got to pay for parking we got we got to pay for parking um but yeah they had a few things that they have like support groups and stuff like that like activities um one of the volunteers there she would um she was actually funded by like goodwill and stuff and okay she had like different 
um, things on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And she's actually one of the reasons, uh, her and one of the nurses is one of the reasons why I kept going. And so she, um, because she expressed and said that, you know, her son was once in the NICU and stuff. And he um, is still... Um, basically it was a whole different situation, but her son is 25 now and is actually still going through different things. So she said that she volunteers because she knows how, um, it is difficult to leave your child and all that other stuff. And even though her son is still sick at the age he is now, she still goes out and gives back. So she would actually, um, provide like meals, like pizza and stuff like that. Okay, that's um, cool. for the families every Thursday and do crafts every Tuesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good. I I'm asking because I think like those things like help a lot. Um, when it comes to like if you're there most of the time, like if you have activities or something, mm-hmm. like that definitely helps. Um, I was trying to think. Um, because I know. They did they give you all options to bring clothes and yeah we got to bring okay. onesies and um yeah we got to bring onesies and blankets and stuff like that you know like to make his little incubator or his little crib you know look mm-hmm. a little bit better um one the volunteer that I just mentioned she actually would knit um like different blankets and little hats and mittens for all the babies in the NICU if you wanted them. Mm-hmm. Um, but she specifically made a blanket for three because she was just saying how good of a baby he was and he oh. was always <laughs> awake whenever she went by. So stuff like that was very, you know, like nice and sensitive. So um, I honestly, back to what you were saying, I honestly couldn't imagine going back and forth to the hospital having to pay. Because that was one of the benefits that I told Terry. I was like, okay, this is awesome. Because we would spend hours at the hospital. Or we would go like three or four times a day. And all we had to do was just, you know, lift our arm up and show, you know, that our wristband or whatever. And we would have free parking. Now, that's something that I think every NICU or hospital should do for the parents because you shouldn't burden them for coming to see their child. Yeah. And it was like an extra cost that we had to factor in like parking and traveling there because it was like half an hour away. Yeah. That's, that's too much. Driving there and then also having to pay if we stay like most of the day, which then Andre, you know, was at work. So we had to factor that in. And mm-hmm. so if he came from work, that's two cars that we're <laughs> oh wow that we're paying for. You know, so that was I was I was glad at least for the meal, but I mean I feel like parking, you know, that's that's something that should be if possible, that should be free for them. Exactly. That because that's a that's a burden on the parents because it's like, okay, where well, you're basically trying to have a parent decide whether or not it's worth going to go see their child. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah that's a that's a financial burden. Now one of the other perks that we had was the room in option. Okay, I was gonna ask you about that. Uh-huh. Now we did take advantage of that. That was actually very helpful and it was kind of stressful too because it was like we I stayed up all night looking at yeah. his monitor. 
trying to make sure that he did not have a spell and you know like sometimes you might see the you know the heart rate just going down a little bit and it's like Mm -hmm. oh no like no stay up stay up but yeah I felt like the is it still there can you hear me yeah I can you felt like the room in was yeah, it was a very great option. Yeah. I... Now, was that just offered like close to him being discharged? Mm-hmm. It was okay. only offered the day before he would be discharged. You. Did you all have to watch any like videos or anything? Nope. About like purple crying and stuff like that? Oh, mm-mm. Okay. So that was like uh, apparently a requirement. Oh, okay. Um, it- in our NICU but we roomed in but the nurse that was um taking care of Araya while we were rooming in mm-hmm. um she didn't she never told us about the about the videos oh. so it wasn't until it was like two days before she was she was discharged so that next day well that next evening um one of the other nurses was like, did you all watch any videos? And we were like, no, that we didn't know we had to. And they were like, yeah, she's not going to be able to go home until you do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, see, uh-uh. Yeah, uh-uh. so we had to watch, like, multiple videos, um, and it had to check off, you know, if you completed it or not. Oh, wow. Um, and the, the day you were using, like, an iPad, and it kept shutting off, and it wouldn't, like, save the progress. Oh no. So we had to keep watching videos. Um and you know, Andre had to go <clears throat> back to work the next day. So I had to spend like most of the afternoon watching those videos just so she could come home. Wow. But, no, like, we did not have that. At the same time I was trying not to feel bad because these are videos on CPR, mm-hmm. purple crying. But I'm just trying to get her home. But I'm also trying to make sure I'm not sliding the information. So it was like mm. definitely like a guilt trip for me. Right. <laughs> but it wasn't communicated that that was a requirement. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say that the transition home was difficult as far as like being like programmed with the feeding and all that? Because I know like when we brought Araya home, like I had to get used to like I can pick her up whenever I want. Like right. I can, I can she can eat whenever she's whenever yeah, right. Yeah, like how was that transition? Because I know it was difficult for me. Um, I wouldn't say it was difficult. Um, I think I had I think it was just reality hitting as far as gotcha. like you were just saying, um, oh, he's hungry. So it's like, oh, well just feed him a bottle, you know. Yeah. Um I like, don't. Um, has it been three hours? Right, <laughs> right. Now we did use like okay, we did try to stick with the schedule as far as the hospital, but then it seemed like his his um desire was increasing, so it was like we had to kind of like up his feedings, but we yeah. wouldn't let him go no more than four hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think once he got home, I guess that first day it was like, wow, you know, like, yeah, you know, he's home now. And it was, it was kind of heartbreaking at first too, because it's like, you feel like the hospital has stolen like a month away. So yeah. And their babies that are there for 
Wow. Six yes. months, eight months. Like, right. I, mean, I can only imagine, you know, that. And then also then having to get transitioned at home. But it's like, they're so much older, you know, now. Um, and I know one thing for me when it came to being programmed um, once she got home, like, I didn't feel like we were bonding because oh. it's feeder lay her down you know like feed her hold her up so she won't you know spit up lay her down repeat mm. change diaper feed like the NICU schedule was so you know programmed and I felt like I'm not bonding with her exactly you know which is what really challenged me to like don't let her go more than four hours but like if I just feel like if she just wants to be held if I just want to hold her like I can and that's okay exactly Exactly. And that's what uh, one of the frustrating things was that the NICU was um, the the nurses not being as sensitive. Like they yeah. they were so strict on a schedule. It's like, OK, well, if I there was one morning that three was there and the nurses, they they had moved him to four, every four hours. Basically, mm-hmm. he could eat or whatever every four hours. So, you know, it's the check the temperature, check the uh, yep. change the diaper, and then feed him. Okay, well, if you fed him at eight, you're not going to check his diaper again till 12. Yep. So, one of the frustrating things was coming back in for his next feeding and seeing his clothes all messed up and he swaddled in a blanket. Because you have not checked on him, and now he's sitting there, and his stool has been hardened up mm-hmm. because you neglected him basically, and that was so heartbreaking for me and Terry because I'm like, when I walked up, his hair was just all out of whack. So I'm like, well, what in the world has happened? Yep. he's crying, and he the nurses will tell you he never cries. So this nurse was mm-hmm. new. She didn't know him. So when we walked up, I'm like, oh, my gosh, buddy, what's wrong? You know, like, you know, I when I I didn't even have to unravel the blanket to know that he had done something. When I walked over by him, I smelled it. And I'm like, he's been sitting in this for four hours. Wow. And I feel like the nurse had waited for us to get there because they know that we'll come for his feedings. And I feel like she was waiting for us to get there so she wouldn't have to change that because his whole onesie was messed up. And the blanket was all wrapped up in it. And so she was like, okay, you guys are here. Um, Y'all can go ahead and change his diaper and y'all can get ready to feed him. So I looked at Terry and I'm like, okay, well, she must have been waiting for us to get here. He's been sitting in this for we don't know how long because his stool had got hard and it was stuck to his bottom. Wow. And I'm like, it, that's, it was just sad because it's like, okay, now, now when he's home, oh, when I see that blue line on that diaper, I'm changing him. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, and it's like, I just, I feel bad, you know, I know babies come early, but it's just like now that they're home, it's like, I just want to make sure you feel all the love and care. Exactly. Because it's like, you're just another baby that comes in. It's just another baby that they just send home. Yeah. So that was one of the frustrating, right. Yeah. So what advice would you give to parents that are currently going through the NICU? I would say... So basically, stay strong 
and know that you're not alone. I would also recommend getting help and mm-hmm. asking questions. Cause I think a lot of times, um, as a parent, you might be afraid to ask certain things or because you might think it's a dumb question or something that, you know, that you should know. Cause I, I can say that there were times that I might have held back because yeah. I felt like, Oh, where well, they're going to look at me crazy. Yeah. So I would say basically for the parents, just stay strong and realize that there are other babies that are going through a lot worse than what you are going through. Because I felt like five weeks was a year when there's babies that's been in there mm-hmm. over eight, you know, eight months. Yeah. Um, as far as people that have babies in the NICU, I would say let's just be more supportive and be mindful of what you say. Because you never know how it can affect you. Because even now with my son, it's like whenever we have to go out to an appointment or something, oh, he's so small. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, I understand. Yes, he's tiny. Rather, you know, like than the average baby or whatever. But just be mindful because you don't understand what has, you know, like been happening in the past few months. Yeah. So I would just say just just keep your head up and just you know just try to find the support if you're not married um just have somebody that you can talk to because believe it or not like i've told terry the NICU experience itself can drive you into postpartum if you're not careful if you're not careful you can easily go into depression just by the NICU experience yeah for sure for sure, yeah. I had a um, <laughs> I had a lady tell me, um, not to, not to shelter my daughter because she'll have a problem. Um, because she's premature, she'll have a problem getting along with others because her grandson was a preemie and he can't get along with anyone. Oh, um, wow. So basically, saying like she'll have like social problems and um. And so, and ended it with that's my advice to you. Oh wow! Yeah, like wow. People don't realize like what they're saying, and like my rule of thumb is like if it's not solicited, just mm-hmm. don't say anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> just don't say anything because like it can really like hurt someone. Um, even just like frowning your face up and saying, "Oh, well, she's small." Mm, like right you know like stuff like that is just it's not it's not helpful at all and or go ahead or it just made me think about um there have been comments that have been made that oh okay you know since he was born premature you do realize that he's going to be the smallest one um from you know like basically at school and stuff like he's still gonna be very small and stuff like that and he's not gonna he's not gonna catch up right now um he's always gonna be a lot smaller than the other ones and and stuff like that kind of hurts because and it makes you put your guard up because it's Uh, like you know like kids will be mean whenever they get to school and stuff like that but I'm like you don't every NICU baby is not the same exactly the receptionist that was at the hospital whenever he knew my face 
So he would just say, Miss Durham, <laughs> let me just see your ID so I can get your badge. And he was like, um, you know what? He said, I was actually born premature. Wow. And he said, but you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm like, see, stuff like that, when people just go ahead and diagnose your child exactly. or tell you what to expect, I'm like, okay, you don't know. Every NICU baby is not going to necessarily be the same. I have met some premature babies that are they they're hefty now like yeah (laughs) so you can't you can't really base it oh yes they were born two three pounds they're always going to be small they're going to be further behind Mm -hmm. and and then they try to scare you and say oh well their immune system is very low i i understand that but i don't need for you to keep reminding me i know what we have to do as parents and stuff like that so that's that's kind of what's frustrating too don't listen to don't feed into all the negative advice. Yeah. One of Araya's nurses um, was born premature at that hospital. Oh, wow. Um, and now, you know, she's taking care of, of premature babies. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of people. Did you know Stevie Wonder is a was a preemie? No, I did not yeah, know that. Stevie Wonder, Albert Einstein, like, there are a whole lot of people, like, especially, like, well-known celebrities mm-hmm. and inventors and stuff mm-hmm. that were born premature and like honestly um which is just a, a side note stevie wonders um because you know they do the eye test um in the nicu to test for um i think it's i'm not even gonna mess it up but the <laughs> acronym is rop mm-hmm. um, and that's where stevie wonders um blindness came from he wasn't oh. he wasn't born pretty much um, i mean he wasn't born blind he mm-hmm. had developed it um, as a result of being uh, premature. Wow. But, like, people act like it's a disease or, like, it's so rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I'm really hoping that, like, bringing um, awareness will help people, like, really see that it's a normal thing and that you don't have to, like, isolate premature babies from all the other babies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or, or those that are in the NICU, like, treating them any different. Um, right. like, they're, like they're less than human. Right. Because you can have a full term baby that is actually four or five pounds, but there's nothing actually wrong with them, but they have to go to NICU. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So where can we find you on social media? Um, As far as my name, you can find me as Brie Durham. Okay. Um, well, thank you for being willing to be a part of the discussion um i feel like we touched on a lot of necessary things from lactation to mm-hmm. just everything <laughs> right. but i feel it's, it's helpful and i don't feel like you know we're the only ones that have gone through those particular like challenges in the NICU exactly. um, so i'm hoping that this discussion you know among all the other ones will help you know bring awareness right um, for like NICU families and babies that are in the NICU so thanks for being willing to be a part well, thank you for having me. And I will say that I, before looking at your um, podcast and stuff, I was not aware that it was actually NICU Awareness Month. Okay. So that is one thing that I learned that I guess the month of September is NICU Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting to know. Yeah. For me, I didn't know that it was like separate from preemie awareness, prematurity awareness, which is, I think, in November. 
Oh, um, wow. Okay. I yeah. didn't know that either. Yeah. I thought they were the same thing, like the, the normal March of Dimes, mm-hmm. the, you know, Purple Hearts, Purple Ribbon, like all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But they're actually two separate things because premature babies aren't the only ones that are in the NICU. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is true. That is true. Got yeah. you. Yep. So thanks everyone for tuning in and make sure that you connect with Brie on social media. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy this episode? I'd love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE podcast conversation starter stick available at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms, share with a friend and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms by gracenp.com and on my mobile app. Hope to hear from you soon.